When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. And today, of course, by the numbers with my co-host, Dan Reese, Always love the show, Dan, even on a bad week like this. Just love going through these numbers, trying to tell the story of the Ravens season with them. And I I think a lot of illuminating numbers with all the sources we have. There's almost an information overload, but I think you do a great job of breaking it down for us and really uh, telling us how that, that story, how it translates to a story about the Ravens. Yeah, it's definitely fun to go through different all the numbers out there. There's just so so many. Uh, It's it's real fun to kind of... uh, trying to get an insight into the the season so far and the season the rest of the season to come so this is a great time to do that with the bye week so yeah all right i think i'll just dive right in uh the number my first number today is 321 that's the number of air yards uh to hollywood brown in week seven on his 14 targets so that's the distance that the ball was thrown in the air on his targets uh, that is the most by any receiver since week four, 2015, when DeAndre Hopkins had 414 air yards on 22 wow. targets. So DeAndre Hopkins, that's a ridiculous number, 414. But 321, that's still a ridiculous number. The next highest this year is Cortland Sutton with 258 on 12 targets in week two. 
the unfortunate thing is that he only converted on five of those targets for 73 yards. So they're taking a ton of deep shots, but they really need to convert on those plays uh, in, in order to kind of justify them. Um, mm-hmm. His 14 targets resulted in an EPA of negative 4.33. And that's including his amazing touchdown grab. So that's not good when your number one receiver is resulting in negative four EPA. So So 80 yards total, 73 in the air, seven yak. So 73 out of 321 was the converted percentage of his uh, air yards. Oh, that is awful. (laughs) Yeah, not good. All right. Uh, I'll go on to my first stat, 63-0. and zero. I, I, I actually tweeted this out at halftime from the game here, guys, but the Ravens said 63 halftime rushing yards, and that was split as 63 on eight carries for Lamar Jackson and zero on seven carries for all other runners. So uh, they finished with an 88-27 to 27 split in yards. I think a lot of things are going on that make that number very bad. First of all, this, there's a lack of respect for the running backs that was very evident in the Bengals game plan. They basically said, I dare you to run the football. We'll key on Lamar, but we won't key on anybody else. And uh, that really was effective for them. Uh, They didn't rush a lot of numbers against the Ravens. We're going to get into that. But I think the fact that they were able to say that allowed them to play defense and really defend the pass better uh, than they would have otherwise. These linebackers taking fewer read steps. You know, normally the Ravens run offense really relies on the opponent running themselves out of position a lot of the time. And, uh, and that didn't happen with Cincinnati. So that's an unfortunate thing. If you want to try to figure out Lamar elements, it's a lot easier to figure out Lamar when he doesn't have any running back weapons. Yeah, it was, that's pretty rough. You know, definitely missing Latavius and obviously missing all the running backs from before the season. So, um. All right. On a, on a bright side, though, f- uh, from the game, um, and I guess the last two games, is 6.29. That's the average yards after catch for Bateman so far this year. That's the highest among Ravens wide receivers uh, to date and would be 15th highest among qualifying NFL wide receivers in 2021. Obviously, he doesn't have enough catches to, to qualify. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's sustainable, but he just looks he looks really good out there. Definitely, uh, you know, gets gets the ball in stride, able to make people miss afterwards. He, he's, he's just very refreshing to watch on the field. Yeah, I love I, I, I've been saying there's three things I really love about him. The first is I like him at the top of the route because I think he can sell something and a lot of different things at the top of the route to the corner who's covering off coverage in particular. Then when he's when he goes to the middle of the field, he doesn't really have fear. At least we haven't seen it yet in terms of he's going to take a hit. He drops the ball. Uh, you know, he did juggle that ball for the interception, but I don't think that was a fear thing. I think that was a bad hands thing in terms mm-hmm. of not getting good hand position. And he's been good on extended plays. You know, he's getting into position and Lamar clearly has a trust level with him. Maybe not quite on the same level as Andrews or Brown, given all the targets they get, but, but at, a, at a high level, I would say. Yeah, definitely. All right. I'll move on to the next topic. I will go with 3.1, 8.5, and 10.8. Been a couple down weeks for Lamar Jackson now in a row. Uh, he definitely had a good game with his legs, but he's had two kind of not-so-good games with his arm in a row, definitely against the Chargers and, and against the Bengals. Uh, he had a lot more difficulty in terms of, of uh, throwing successfully. But 3.1 is still his league-leading time to throw. So extending those plays, getting good opportunities after time uh, to receivers that break open late. 
8.5 is his league-leading average completed air yards. Obviously, you, that's one of the big stats to lead the league in is, is completed air yards. That and completion percentage, I guess, has great compliments to, to get. And then 10.8 is his league-leading average intended air yards. So he's throwing deep, he's completing a fair amount of those deep, and he's doing it with plenty of time to throw. And, and when I say that, he's manufacturing a lot of that time himself, obviously. Time to throw is a, a, a complex layered statistic that differs by quarterback and how it's derived, but he's doing a good job of manufacturing additional time to throw the football. Uh, I think that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I think um, you know it's really been very evident so far this season that he is the uh, MVP of the, of the team. The offense wouldn't be nothing without him, you know, a very questionable O-line and, uh, you know, with a lot of injuries, but as you mentioned before, no running back help. Uh, so just uh, pretty amazing what he's been able to accomplish. Accomplish. So, all right. And um, kind of go along with that. My third number is 61.3% versus 60.8%. The Ravens currently sit at 61.3% pass rate. So that's the percentage of plays that they pass, uh, you know, pass versus run, compared to 60.8% expected. And this is the um, based on a model by Mike Clay at ESPN. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what he uses in order to derive the expected, um, but it's, you know, based off of yard or field position, distance, all sorts of, uh, okay. Down all, all distance, sorts of situations, game situation. yeah. Yeah. game situations in order to derive the likelihood of passing on that down. Uh, this is the first time since 2016 that the Ravens offense has had a higher pass rate than expected through the season. So based on the model, they're expected to have 60.8% uh, passes based on their game situations. And they've just been just above that for 61.3%. So just barely above expected. Uh, and it's really been um, a, a lot of heavy passing in third in the third quarter relative to expected, kind of changing the game plan out of half. Mm -hmm. um, but the kind of amazing thing is they're still 19th in pass rate in the in the NFL. So it might be a big change for them to finally start looking pass heavy, but uh, it's still not relative to the NFL. Well, baby steps, and I would assume with a with a <laughs> with a margin over average that's only that high that they would be in the middle of the pack, and they're yep. even a little bit below the middle. So there must be some really extreme passing teams in, right. in that group. Yep. All right, very cool stuff there. Uh, let's go with. A, another one that relates to the offense, 28% and 1.06. The Bengals had 28% five-plus man ra rushes while Jackson was in the game. Frankly, all that time where Huntley was in the game didn't even matter as far as I'm concerned. It's not, it's not really relevant to the, to the Ravens' future. But 10 out of 36 times only, the Bengals tried to rush five-plus. So the Ravens are facing this dyadic um, dyadic back and forth is probably redundant, but this dyadic uh, high blitz, low blitz um, on alternating uh, games. So Denver and, and uh, San Diego blitzed a ton. The Bengals didn't blitz a ton. But what's bad about it is the Ravens still used 1.06 eligible receivers per play, 15 sets and 13 ships, which was their highest total of the season. So the Bengals weren't rushing a lot. The Ravens were still keeping a lot in to try and shore up the dam. I, I'm afraid some of that is due to the fact that McCary left the game. They were already pretty much putting a lot of chip blocks on that right side, even with McCary in there. Uh, they're probably putting more in with Villanueva. Villanueva had a very bad pressure game this last week. 
in terms of, of giving up a lot. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, they're not getting a great return on those eligible receivers to keep them into chip when the opponent isn't really rushing five, six, and seven very often. Yeah, that, that outnumbers your wide receivers real quick <laughs> with yeah. all those DBs back. I think it'll be uh, a really great thing to see when, uh, when Boyle comes back and he can kind of be the, the extra blocker rather than Ricard uh, on, on those chips. I just think he offers a lot more on the pass game um, and, and, you know, can be more of a threat on the edge to kind of chip and also go out for a pass. Yeah, I, I agree. He's a great late release guy. Let me toss out one more idea for you. What about putting Duvernay in the backfield right now? Basically having, you know, something that would look like an empty set. So, you're, you, the defensive coordinator might be tempted to go light against you. Then you have Duvernay and you run him out of sidecar. So he threatens the edge, something that the Ravens haven't been able to do so far this year. I just, I'm looking for how can they use the same personnel to get different alignments. And Duvernay, so far, he's, he's going to lose a lot of snaps when Watkins is back. He's not going to play nearly as much anymore, particularly if they have to continue with these heavy lineups. And it just it would make more sense to me to at least get him used in the backfield occasionally as a, hey, we might do that um, and, and give Roman a, a little larger swath of his playbook to work with. Yeah, I think, you know, I think that's a good idea. And I think um, motioning guys from the outside, bringing them in so they start with the defender on them and then motion them in, defender likely stays on them or is out of position and then use them to block, you know, kind of. I, I heard that about, uh, I forget, Foxworth, Foxworth, I think, said it on ESPN. So I thought that was a cool idea too. So uh, we'll see what comes out of the bye week. You know, hopefully he's got some schemes up with uh, to, yeah. to help with the challenge. He's, he's been facing so all right uh my fourth one is three numbers nine 20 and one and these are the ravens dvoa uh through week seven so dvoa is defense adjusted value over average kind of a, a popular way of rating different groups based off of you know taking into consideration who they've played uh that's ninth on offense 20th on defense and first in special teams uh, special teams that they're blowing out the rest of the league. It's not mm-hmm. even close. Um, and then ninth on offense is 12th in passing, fifth in rushing, which was surprising to me. And uh, defense is 20th in passing and 13th in rushing. Uh, you know, it, it's it's not the worst place to be. Um, I, I think if I had to pick one of the three that I think they can improve on in the second half, it, it would be the defense. I think the personnel is there. It's just the execution that's lacking right now. Um, so I think that's that was nice to see that that's the lowest right now for the team. And, you know, that's the area I think they can improve without uh, too much investment. Yeah, they've got Wolf coming back. They've got the new alignment in place now at inside linebacker. Uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully you're right. That's uh, you know a place where they can improve without additional investment on offense too. They've got players coming back though too. So I'm, you know, I'm a little bit optimistic, but they're eighth, ninth in terms of Devoe right now, approximately. Yeah, I think okay. eighth. I think eighth. Yeah. yeah, I think they might be sixth in Dave, which takes the preseason adjustment in there with it. So, so they okay. They've done that, but I don't know how much, how relevant that is when you, they had all these injuries. So uh, anyway, uh, my next number, 12 and three. Um, that's the Ravens record coming off the bye since 2002. That's according to the Ravens PR department. I'm sure that's correct. Ravens, Eagles, and Colts are all 12 and three. The Patriots and Packers are 12 and four. This is an interesting statistic. Mike Holmgren 
somehow, despite being 12 and 3 over a similar period, is 1 and 10 versus the spread after a bye. I'm, I'm correct, right? Mike Holmgren was the coach of the Green Bay Packers for a significant amount of time, wasn't he? Um, for most of that, I think, yeah. You know, there was the floor, but yeah, for a lot of it. Yeah. So I just it's it's very strange to me that that would be be the case, but it is what it is. Wow. Uh, Harbaugh's done a great job, I think, of preparing his teams after the bye week. Uh, the Vikings are playing a Sunday night football game uh, against the Cowboys, so they may be kind of a short rest situation as well. Uh, it's certainly a short rest in terms of being a week less, but but playing a night game also probably makes it that much tougher, even though it is at home. Yeah, I hope uh, you know. I hope they can scheme up some good stuff. I think uh, you know. It's going to be a tough, tough opponent for sure. Um, going right into that, I've, I've got two numbers showing showing that nine point three three percent and twenty nine point one seven percent. That's the sack rate and the third third down conversion rate for the Minnesota defense. Nine point three three percent, just over nine percent, is the highest sack rate in the league. So almost one out of every ten dropbacks, they get a sack. That one third down. No, on, on sack rate on all plays. Okay. So unfortunately, you know that doesn't align well with the Ravens because the Ravens are allowing a sack on eight percent, just over eight percent of the dropbacks, which is seventh highest rate. So it's not good. Not not a good matchup for for sack, especially after losing McCarry. So. Um, we'll, so just we'll a little see. math thing there with you, and I don't want to interrupt your stat, but I do, yeah. I do want to say this because this comes up every once in a while in things like baseball. But the eight percent sack rate is worse than average. The nine percent yes. sack, nine point three percent sack rate is way better than average. So you wouldn't look at those two and say it's the average of eight and nine point three is what you'd expect. It's in fact probably higher than nine point three is what you'd expect because the eight is a bad number and the nine point three presumably would be against league average opposition. Exactly. Yeah, I hope it's not more higher than nine. That would be ugly, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, that they're going to be a tough defense to face. And then the twenty nine percent is the second best third down conversion rate. So they've holding defenses to the second lowest conversion rate. And again, not a good matchup as the Ravens have the ninth worst third down conversion rate on offense. So third downs and sacks, which obviously tie together uh, often, um, you know, we'll see what. Um, the Ravens can scheme up during uh, during the bye to kind of uh, slow down that Minnesota defense. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, maybe it's time to do a little no huddle too, and not get the third down, kind of like they did against the Colts. But uh, but we'll see. Yep. Uh, my next number seven and ten and sixteen and five. Minnesota's seventeen seven and ten with a rest disadvantage. Uh, the buy, of course, is the worst case of a rest disadvantage since 2016 per TeamRankings.com. The Ravens, they're only 9-8 and eight with a rest advantage over the same period, which is very unimpressive, by the way, that the Ravens have not been able to leverage their rest advantages, even though they're good coming off the buy. But they are 16-5 and five with a rest disadvantage over that same period. This is not something I'd realized about the Ravens. They've been, they've been that good at beating the rest disadvantage. I'm looking at that stretch later in the year. Obviously, that you know Cleveland double game with a bye in the middle for them is a, is a potential nightmare situation. But you know maybe the, this Ravens team and you know the way they coach players and whatnot is going to allow them to prepare for that game. Uh, you know at a rate that 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 will allow them to be competitive. So the Ravens, the the last number, the sixteen and five. That's when the Ravens are at a disadvantage on front rest. Oh wow, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty amazing. They can get it together and just go out and play. Don't overthink it, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
that's pretty wild. Um, all right. All right. So w I got w a sixth number uh, for the bye week, and uh, it's a special trade deadline one. Uh, 1.55 million and 11. So the Ravens have $1.55 million remaining in the cap space based off of over the cap. I believe that's second lowest um, of any of the teams. Um, but they do have 11 uh, draft picks in 2022, including, I think it was nine in the first four rounds, which is just a ridiculous number of draft picks and a bunch of high draft picks. So it'll be really interesting to see whether they can, uh, you know, figure something out before the trade deadline, which is November 2nd. So just around the corner. Uh, and it's kind of a new little wrinkle when they got, uh, I'm not even going to try it. I'm not, I'm going to butcher his name with Cedric. Oh boy. Oh good boy. Okay. Uh, picked him up and, and I guess we'll see how he does on right at right tackle, but uh, maybe that takes away one position that they'll look, look to trade. So I wanted to get your thoughts. What do you think the chances of, uh, of them making a trade by the deadline? I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at the way things are. And I think the chance, if it were, it would have happened at offensive tackle. And if Morgan Moses is available or maybe somebody else, the problem is that whatever trade partner they get really has to find a way to take that entire cap hit for the rest of the 2021 salary. And if you look at the whole list and over the cap and who's got money, it's it, that really restricts the number of people who could trade a big money contract away to the Ravens. So it almost has to be a first contract player who the other team still has to swallow maybe a million and a half if he's an early round draft pick, say. And I, I just see a big premium being charged by for that for anybody who's holding that kind of a player and who is a seller. I think there's you know there's a lot of teams in need. There's a, the, neither conference is really um, in lockdown in any way, even from top to bottom. But but certainly other than maybe the Cardinals, the NFC certainly making it and being a good chance for the number one seed. AFC is wide open, and I have to think that that you know, with that many potential trade partners, that much shortage on places like the offensive line, that a huge premium is going to be charged. And I think the Ravens answer might be just, you know what, we're going to stand pat. We're going to keep those draft picks in 2022. Yeah. I think the only position where it could be possible is running back, because I don't know that there are that many teams that would be looking to trade for a running back. And normally I wouldn't put the Ravens to pay a high price for it, but it's just so clear that they need something back there. Mm -hmm. um, like you mentioned, just to get defenses to, to respect it. So that's the only place I could really see it. Okay. So one of the names that got brought up on that today uh, in a conversation was Marlon Mack. Okay. And Marlon Mack currently is, what's he making currently this year? Not much, a million dollars. Uh, I don't know if that's a second contract or whatever, but a million a guaranteed, a million in prorated bonus. It seems like yeah, there are a couple players out there. Mac, uh, Philip Lindsay, who's on mm -hmm. the Houston, but they just traded um, Ingram, um, Ronald Jones from Tampa Bay, um, Miles Sanders from the Eagles. They're all on very reasonable contracts and kind of iffy. The only one I'm really interested in is Miles Sanders. The rest of them are just mm -hmm. eh to me. So. Right. So Miles Sanders, where is he in his contract? Uh, mm -hmm. Second to last year. Okay, so you, you actually, it's a reasonable price and you get an extra year. That, that's going to draw a premium, of course, but um, fourth round pick? That's, I, I think that's overpaying, but yeah. Right. 
Yeah, I, I do too. And, and you know, the Ravens might be in a position where I have to actually look at his contract to see what he's got on it. But uh, are you, do they, would the Eagles have to eat some of that contract? No, to make no it work? they wouldn't have to. I think it's 980. Okay. okay. It's really low. And okay. Dillard is also there for the Eagles. I don't know if the Eagles would ever trade two people, but I would just go ahead and take both of them. That would be nice. There, there you go. Then you get your tackle you need. Well, it'd be great if, if they can, if, <laughs> if, if we are talking in a week and a half about DaCosta, or I guess it'd be sooner than that, about DaCosta making the biggest steal ever and trading a fifth round draft pick for two players that exactly address their positional needs. Yeah. Uh, that would really be something. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see what happens over this week and a half. It'll be uh, uh, something to watch for, for sure. All right, Dan. Always a pleasure to do this with you. Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you. Yeah, come check me out uh, on Twitter. Give me a follow. Uh, DP Reese eight. Uh, happy to talk anything Ravens, uh, analytics, NFL, anything. Uh, just give me a follow, and um, you know, happy to talk Ravens. So. All right. For folks out there, if you want to do a 25 years episode, we're getting down. We still have about 15 or 16 of them to schedule for the rest of the year. Really like to hear those very niche ideas, narrow topic. We're going to go into some depth on it, have some fun in about 20 to 25 minutes talking about that. Send me a DM on Twitter if you'd like to get involved. Uh, And Dan, thanks for doing the show with me every week. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.